Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I often am, as I always am, if anyone who listens to the show, to have my guest on this morning, Miss Sue Snow. How are you, Sue? I'm amazing. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. And thank you for having me here. Yeah. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. Um, Sue and I meet, uh, met through, let me see, it's the first time I've ever been mistaken for another Tyler, but when I found out which Tyler it was, it was actually a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> We ended up at lunch through mutual connections and you actually thought I was a different Tyler, which was, that was a, that was the funniest first few minutes of the look on your face of like, oh, you are not the Tyler I thought you were. Uh, Tyler Willscroft, who's also a friend of mine. So it was coincidence that actually, that was my wife's old boss and I met him that way. So such a small world, but I found that super funny. Uh, growing up, I was one of the only Tylers, but apparently there's a few more out there. So you and I met that way also through a mutual connection around plant medicine. And I've done some work with your son and had a fantastic experience there. And you and I met just before you were about to embark on a grand adventure. So maybe I'll let the story start there and I'll turn it back over to you to kind of set the stage even to pick up from our last conversation and where you headed off into the unknown. So yes, uh, I, I headed off into the unknown um, mm-hmm. based on a journey that I started with my son in a way. And you had him on and he's told his story. And it was uh, going through that um, process of recovery with him that I um, became introduced to uh, a healing medicine called Iboga. And I think go ahead and talk. Go ahead. Yeah, no, he did extensively. Just if anyone hasn't listened, please go go back and check out Ryan Snow's episode. It was a great episode, very honest and very forthcoming about Ryan's kind of battle with addiction. But it wasn't, a, it actually was not a, an episode about his battles of addiction. It was actually, no. yeah, it was an episode about how he turned that into an incredible positive thing in his life and now how he uses it to help others. So going through that from a family perspective, uh, I, I can only assume, I can't even begin to assume what that would be like as, as a mom in a situation like that as well. True, true. It's true enough. And, and uh, really, I, I, don't want to go into that in detail. Um, that would be a whole other episode. Yes, it would. But maybe there's, al- there's always the second one. There's always an option for more. <laughs> how to, how to that, that, you know, mm-hmm. pro- provide perspective to help families through. Um, sorry, my ear pod just fell out. <laughs> no problem. That's, a, that's, I, that's minor. It's minor in the world of technical difficulties. Y- yeah. Um, they don't fit my ears properly, even though they're the smallest, because Ugh, I have I can't use I can't use them. They fall out of my ears all the time, so I'm yeah, with you on that okay. one. Okay. They never stay. Anyway, um, that would be a whole other perspective on sharing. Uh, and that's one of the things that I do at our Center for Wholeness and Wellbeing is, is help families with that perspective. But it was, as you said, how Ryan turned his um, experience around to help others. I admit that without Ryan's experience... I would not have gone to Africa and I would not be doing what I'm doing now either. So I was a teacher for 35 years and um, I retired from teaching uh, in 2019 and Ryan was beginning his new, new career path. And because it was something that I had actually done in the past, I'd worked with people in 2006 ish who um, had substance abuse issues that I we jumped on board and we, we created, um, rejuvenated actually the charity that I had at that time. And, uh, yeah, so we just rejuvenated it and brought it forward to what we're doing, doing now. Um, so 
Ryan received considerable healing from Ebola, and he went to Africa two years, two summers ago, and um, came back. and And I have to say, I think that was the pivotal healing experience for him was being wow. right in with the the Bewiti people um, and and healing with the tradition of of the Iboga. Um, and so I had known about Iboga for say three years um, okay. during that time period. And it was just something that I knew was supporting him. So I supported it, but I really okay. didn't know anything about it. I mean, I, okay. to be honest, I didn't know much about plant medicine all except for my 1970s experiences and (laughs) (laughs) and they were with a totally different perspective right yes like the intention there was not healing the intention there was just see exploring i guess more than anything so having a good having a good time (laughs) you know i i often note you know earlier use of psychedelics was to go out and be in out and involved in social and partying versus current my current relationship with plant medicine is much more an inner journey of of uh, oh, transparency with myself because they're completely, I can't even compare them as two, uh, they're, they're two completely unique sets of experiences. And I think for people listening, when you hear plant medicine or you hear psychedelics, it can trigger different beliefs and, and, you know, a certain stigma that's been carried around, which is slowly, that's why I do conversations like this with people like yourself. So we can, you know, maybe drop some of the stigma that comes out of the sixties and seventies and the rhetoric and the media and the government and a lot of things that were involved versus the role they seemingly are playing a lot more prevalently in our society today. Hint, they always played that role, but now we're starting to notice it, I think, more in a Western, from a Western perspective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Evoca is, is a medicine that is all about choice. And uh, okay. it's, it's a very interesting thing that um, people kind of ha- know when they're ready to do it. They kind of need to be called to it. It's not something you can talk someone into doing because um, if you do, I think you you just get misery <laughs> because it is all about choice. And if a person's choice was not to do it, there's going to be a battle the whole time. And I think that's right. much the same with anything we do in our life. But uh, mm. I just didn't have interest in it in those three years, even though I, I saw the healing. I, I didn't understand it much. Um, and... Uh, then one day I was driving in a car with Adele Emelson, who you also have had. I have had on, on the show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I would recommend everybody to go back and give that a listen when she shares her yeah. experience, which just kind of yeah. blow you away that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and Adele talked to me about, um, because I said to her, what's the difference between Iboga and Ibogaine? Mm-hmm. Because through Ryan's experience, I had looked a lot at, at Ibogaine um, healing for him. Um, I didn't know about Iboga, but Ibogaine. So I was, I was just asking her, what, what's the difference between that? And she said to me, Ibogaine has, does not have the spirit of the plant. It's been extracted from the plant, but the spirit of the plant has been removed. And something just twigged in me. And about three weeks later, um, I sent her a text and I said, I, I think I'm interested in doing this. And uh, then her and Ryan kind of conspired. <laughs> Not really. With your, I mean, with, your with your be- with your best interest in mind. Yeah. So you know, unknowns to me, he he apparently said that he would um, you know subsidize part of it if I really wanted to do it. And uh, I think that's just his way of giving giving back. Yes. And but I was honored that 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 he had that offer there. So it was only October of last year that I went into a retreat and the healing was profound in that one. 
And then I, I felt a need for kind of what would they call a touch up um, the following February. And that was even more profound. And, and it was, but even in, after the first one, I knew that I wanted to find out more about how this, um, this medicine helped people heal. And I knew I wanted to go to Africa. And then after the third one that I did, I, <clears throat> I really wanted to go to Africa. And it was just, um, I have to say at that point, it was more a, a curious about, you know, as hashtag be curious. <laughs> yeah, I was just very, very curious <laughs> about, um, you know, how this, this medicine was able to bring up significant traumas that I had experienced, um, which would be another whole topic on on mm-hmm. on that, and I I don't mind sharing it, but it is definitely, um, well, I'll just give it to you, and you can do with it what you want. I, <laughs> I, uh, I in the 1980s, I, I I went through a severe severe depression, and uh, I ended up on I think every psychiatric drug that existed, and then it got to a point where I was told that my only hope was electroshock therapy. So I call myself, in a way, a psychiatric survivor. And um, I didn't know the damage that had been caused by that because being a relatively resilient person, even though a lot of destruction, I, I just continue putting one foot in front of the other and plodding along because, you know, raising three boys and I went back to university and all that kind of uh, survival types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back on it, really, the, the depression I had was I just uh, walked off the end of a cliff, really, of exhaustion, because I was going to university, raising three boys and working a job. And if there had been the insight of anyone to have said, you really need to just get some sleep, because you need to we all know what ha- recharge. Well, we all know what lack of sleep does to someone, right? Anyway, that went on for for way too long, but I, I, I did come out of the other end of that and um, was determined to try and find some, to help people um, not have to go down that path. Uh, but then as a teacher, that whole world is filled with the medical perspective. And it was really just a matter of keeping my mouth shut for a lot, but directing people to resources if they could, because we medicate our children way too much. Um, but that was my, um, the healing from that was profound. And I actually healed asthma, which had been caused by tubes going down my throat. And I thought that I had asthma and I couldn't breathe. And uh, it was really a physical um, reaction to a trauma situation. And that was just so profound for me that I, and then I was just very curious about how, how this medicine came to be, why we don't have more use of it here, and how it is that the Bawidi people, you, uh, we don't hear, they don't really even know what depression and anxiety are. Why is that, you know? So I was very curious to very much learn about the culture. And I have to say that when I re- arrived there, I was very naive um, in my own healing. I was very naive in what I would go through for the two months that I was there um, because I thought I was just going to go there and learn how to be an Iboga provider and learn and live with the Buidi people and uh, be a white colonial presence in their beautiful world, right? <laughs> and 
So for the audience, <laughs> let's bring them up to speed because you and I have a lot of shorthand here. So uh, Iboga has been around for an extensive period of time historically. Like this is not a new discovery just because in North America it's becoming more. It's in Gabon, I believe. Is that correct? In Africa is, the, is, is where it's the closest, like it's actual closest, recognizable yeah. on a map. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. is a plant medicine that's derived from a root. And there's a whole story around it, but I would encourage you to listen to Adele's episode of kind of how it was discovered and kind of the lore around that. But this is a plant medicine that, that you consume. It's dried up. It's a powder. I wouldn't say it's enjoyable to consume. Uh, as I, Hey, I'm curious, when in October did you do your ceremony? Because I did my first ceremony in October as well. But I think um, you and I were probably back-to-back -back weeks for those guys. <laughs> I think we were because mine was – because ours was a women's only, so you wouldn't have okay. been there. So I think it was just probably – Probably before yours, or well, they had just after. done a women's only right before. So yes, that would okay. make sense. So yeah. Yes, that was the first time, and I had a friend who'd done it about a year prior, and I was like, I'm going to do it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm not ready. And to to build on what you said, I think it was back in the summer, I was away, and all of a sudden, I was like, okay, you know what? It's time. Like I just woke up one day, and all of a sudden, I was ready to do it. And that was six mm -hmm. or eight months after, oh, maybe almost a year. I think actually, no, I'm lying. It's almost a year since I was first introduced to it. And Adele said to me, she goes, you know, Tyler, a lot of times people get introduced to this. There's an excitement. Then they wait about a year. <laughs> it's funny. She, she just said, you know, how, like to your point about it does show up for you. And it is, it is a big decision to in, 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 engulf on, in, uh, embark on something that, that there is so much un, unknown around it. And everyone does have their own experiences, but they tend to be very profound and, and ultimately very intense, which from the outside can look a little bit scary depending on where you're at as an individual on your, on your, on your own journey. And, but I encourage people, be careful when you do the internet search, but again, I began do a little bit of research out there uh, for sure. I always, just because you read it on the internet doesn't mean it's credible or true, but if you use some discernment and have multiple sources, you can get some more information. And, you know, to be clear, Iboga isn't illegal in Canada, but Ibogaine is, is that correct? Is, is that how they're structured? And not that that's a big root of this, but for some people are like, well, where does this fit? Is this a controlled substance? What does that look like? Um, yeah, but it's, it's not a controlled substance. It's true in the, in the way that, um, it's not on the class four yes, controlled substance list. Yes, it's not scheduled. So, um, but you know, on that point about the internet, I just had, um, I just did a, I just did a retreat this last weekend for a couple of people that were actually oh, clients okay. at the center, um, and and just a just a side note on it, iboga is quite amazing for helping people through serious substance abuse issues, which is is what we deal with because. Uh, um, but it was just, if you have questions, find a provider and ask them. Part of yeah, the thing is, nice. is that, that <clears throat> there is no written materials about Iboga. It's the Buidi is it's passed down your breath to my breath, your breath to mine. And so there is no actual truths written. So anything that's on the internet oh, is people's okay. experience. And, and the other differentiation is that there's two kind of different sects of it. Um, the Buidi, um, in the ceremonial way that we, uh, Adele and I are trained in is um, is called the Masoko tradition, and there is okay. there's also a group of people called the Fangs or Fong. I don't is spelled F A N G, but they have quite a bit of um, colonial French uh, influence into their their work. They they've integrated into um, a lot of Christian beliefs into it, and so and their rituals are very different. And the, the, okay, um, interesting. I stumbled on that a yeah. little bit online, but not enough to really mm -hmm. understand what I was reading about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've had people watch, watch these videos that someone's filmed of an initiation or, or them force feeding people. And it, that's not the way it is. It's so just not. So that was not my experience. It was very yeah. loving, supportive. No. There was a, there was a yeah. very safe container created in the experience yeah. that I had. 
Mm. So on that, on that point to yours, it's just, you know, same thing, stay off Dr. Google, <laughs> to stay off, you know, you know, go to the source of the information, which is exactly the point of why I went to Africa was to go to the source of the information. I appreciate that and, for, your own, yeah. for your own journey and your own learning for mm. my own journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, one I of love the things that is, you, you said something that's key, like you went to just learn how to be a practitioner, very teacher, very provider, but all of a sudden something else showed up when you got there is what I'm hearing as far as the turn in the story. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So something really showed up. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, so one of the things is, is, uh, it's, and they very much believe, so the Buidi people um, use this medicine, um, even in the womb. And so they're very used to it. And all their teachings, they're very, very used to, they're raised that way. Um, oh, when okay. I got, the, yeah, when I got there into Africa, um, I thought that I didn't have a lot to work on. Uh, <laughs> Famous last words we all have. <laughs> two months okay. later, two months later, yeah. you know, and there were, th I was the poster child for defending my, my behaviors and my, my beliefs. And they weren't maybe necessarily destructive to anyone around me, but they definitely were not serving me well. And, and, um, you know, just getting the guidance and any boga, you know, giving me insight into insight into insight and just realizing how much I was lying to myself about how things were. And when I, when I talk about that, I'm, um, because the Buidi tradition is, is the art of knowing or the art of truth. Yeah. And when we're lying to ourselves about, um, how something is when it really isn't, um, we don't know the truth then. And we really can't, you know, um, move forward. So, um, can you, is there an example or something that's maybe palatable? Uh, yeah. For somebody so for example, I mean, one of my, yeah, one of the hardest things I had was you can imagine after teaching for 35 years, how much my need to control the environment <laughs> around me mm -hmm. would yep. be okay yeah okay yeah so, I, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't i believe you yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so i you know i mean i i was used to having eyes in the back of my head literally and and just constantly being on watch and controlling you know i had i was a band teacher so i'd have a stu 100 grade 7 students with you know things that they could poke each other with and you know <laughs> and, and, you had just and then you had people like me in your class but we won't that's another part <laughs> You know, so uh, to me, controlling everything around me was just the norm. And that's just who I was. But it didn't serve me well when it gets to trying to, um, you know, just relate to other people. Like I was always trying to fix things. So, for example, yeah. um, one night there just before a ceremony, I, I know this is a funny story, but it, it was all over a blanket. And I wanted to borrow a blanket. But then somebody else had the blanket and then that person was not feeling well. And so then I kept, I, I went back and said, well, um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter to me whether they keep the blanket or not. And, and it was, it's just like, let the provider deal with it all. But I was still trying to control the blanket, but it had, you know, it wasn't my place to worry about the blanket. It was my place to get prepared for ceremony and let the provider get me a blanket or not get me a blanket, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I love the simplicity of that, but what a, what a great example 
of, of how many other places in your life that blanket was showing up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the whole thing yeah. actually really blew up into a really big deal because I had to face the fact, first of all, that I was lying to myself, that I needed to control everything around me, and that I needed to fix everything around me instead of just letting, just being present, being there in the moment and not looking into the future about whether I had a blanket that night or not, or not looking into the past about whether that person didn't get me the blanket or somebody else gave that blanket. So I was just being present, listening to the person that was there, that they would look after it and trusting in that. Mm. So, you know, and, and mm. yet, and so then, you know, the, the guy pointed out to me, um, just leave it alone, stop trying to control. And it was just like, no, I don't have control issues. Like I was very defensive. And, and like I said, the poster child, I don't have control issues. We, we need to have control when we drive our car. Like control isn't a bad thing. So, it, but it was differentiating between when um, we need to have control. So just on that, it's like differentiating about when we live in fear, um, mm -hmm. fear and being, um, being scared. Like there's, there's times when fear serves us well, when we see, you know, yes, keeps us out of danger. Grizzly bear yes. coming towards us, you know, that's a survival thing. But when we're worried and fearful of something that's going to happen in the future, that doesn't serve us well at all. Mm -hmm. oftentimes so it's getting the insights and living with those teachings that, um, that we are the ones that are creating the negative thoughts in our mind because we choose them. So the big problem in our culture is that people cannot accept that. You know, mm -hmm. so we're not accepting... Yeah, that every time we feed the mind, we're giving it stronger and stronger and stronger. But the mind cannot create negative thoughts without our permission. Hmm. Right? So the mind's to, not putting to, those things there. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. And so, again, I, I, I recognize or resonate with so many things about what you're saying, even from my own experience. So for people listening, you've had this experience. We'll just call it the blanket. The blanket <laughs> learning opportunity. We'll just leave it at that. I love it. It's a great metaphor, analogy, however you want to do it. So. You then go into ceremony, and the the revelations or the clarity at which you're explaining it now is post. <laughs> and it's always sometimes I find when I recount things, I'm like, hey, just so I know, this sounds really clear now, but that doesn't mean it was clear when it was unfolding. I'm telling you now a story that happened in learning. So while you then you consume the medicine and you get into ceremony, and I'm picturing myself even on this journey, did that all of a sudden start to unfold? Was it a combination of um, the guide, the shaman? knowing that this is what showed up. So we're going to work with this during, while you're, while you're in the medicine, just talk to me a little bit about, cause you, you explained it very clearly now, but at that moment you just were starting to become aware of it. And all of a sudden now you're in ceremony and you're with the medicine and what happens now, what happens next? Okay. So what happened next in this situation, like in some other ones where I wasn't hanging on to it so dearly, um, uh, like even like even the psychiatric stuff like that needed to go. So it just went. Um, in this one, as I said, I was a poster child for defending that, and I didn't want to let it go. Yeah. And um, it took the medicine quite a while to get me to accept what the truth was, and I resisted it. In fact, I, um, I battled it and tried to come up with all the reasons and justifications it wasn't. So um, this was an unusual thing, but it took me three days before I finally broke through that and process through it. But yes, there were, there were, um, you know, the, the lead provider and, and the shaman, I mean, they knew that I needed to get through this no matter 
no matter what. And so there was a lot of discussion and guiding through it. But even then, like, I was mad at them for even pointing it out to me. I so, get it. I know. I love yeah, it. <laughs> this, yeah. is a great, this is such a great story. So, you know, the thing is that the medicine shows you what the truth is. So it'll pull all the shit off until you see the truth. And then there it is, finally. And And the point is then, what do you want to do with it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that point, it's up to you. So the medicine is, it doesn't make you change. It gives you insight and choice is always there. And so um, the rational thing to do is to make the decision to embrace it. But even it took me a while. You, you said a keyword, the rational thing to do. We are very <laughs> irrational beings, aren't we? <laughs> I like to think sometimes I'm more rational than I am, Sue. I don't know about yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no, you logic know, and mean, reason. Ra- logic and reason is why I did this. No. There was some little boy in there who's, who's yeah. navigating on a past trauma who reacted to a situation that had nothing to do with logical reason. <laughs> exactly. So, you mm-hmm. know, it, was, it wasn't until I, you know, really made the firm decision to lose my attachment to controlling. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, all about, um, it's all about choice. So choice lies between your thought and your action. And you're the one that makes that choice. I, I know one of the things that was, was basically told to us is that um, they use the general and lieutenant, that you're the general of the mind, okay. and the mind is the lieutenant. But in this situation, and I, I even tried to demote my mind down from <laughs> lieutenant to private, <laughs> but it didn't work. <laughs> I really had to just and I love this. Goal. And this is over a three-day yeah. period of time, out of your two months. Like We're only talking Our about like this this... this this learning or this experience or this sense of awareness alone was worth the price of admission. It sounds like to the whole, to the whole. Absolutely. Event. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just, and just the, the price of admission that I, I mean, I realized that just on this one little thing, there's so many other things that I was just basically living in a jungle of lies and, a, you know, and, wow. and so, um, and it was like <laughs> picking away at those lies and I'm not talking about, um, you know, you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar kind of a lie. It's it's the stories that we tell ourselves and the yes, beliefs that we that. make up to that are lies that don't let us live with the truth. You know, the, the, it, it, the environment of 107 year olds, that skill possibly serves you very well in that environment. Not to not to mm-hmm. criticize or say good, bad, or wrong or put labels on it, but it was no longer serving you in your current world and where you want, more specifically, where you wanted to head. And what right. was holding you back? Yeah. And I, I always, it's so easy. And Ryan kind of, Ryan and Jade both taught me this of like, Tyler, whatever you've healed now, it served you until now, but it no longer serves you. And it's okay to right. let it go. And that feels sometimes like part of an ego death and part of your identity. And that you've been, you know, for me in own case, my last experience with Jade and, and Ryan, I came out of it just heavy and sad. And they said, you know, that part of you is now healed, AKA has died. It's okay to mourn and it's okay to let it and don't be sad. Don't be negative towards the fact that it got you here. It's just no longer serving you. And that giving that permission, that was tough. Like I, you know, it's, it's easy to rationally say it, but then mm-hmm. there's what you hold on to and what, and what, what you feel. And those little bits of you that die off, they've served us and they've been there for a long time. So it's fun to talk about it very almost lightheartedly after the fact, but they do not go, they often do not go willingly or without some friction. <laughs> no, for sure. And that's, you know, and, and just on that point, that's why, um, the integration is so very, very important. And it's something I learned this last weekend doing weekend in doing my, my, um, first retreats as a provider is, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen that, that we had there, he had done probably three, 
retreats before. Um, and it was just gradually peeling off, but it was just finally integrating um, what his substance abuse issues were. And, and some people are going to need many, many, many more cer- uh, ceremonies than, than some. And yes. some it's need a very much individual. more integration. It's a very individual. So it's individual very experience. individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking about two, so two months. So the blanket, we'll just call it the, the, again, the blanket incident or the, the blanket learning opportunity. Was that early on in the two months? Was that later? I'm just thinking about how this period of time, because two months is a very real period of time to be immersed in another culture with a completely different set of beliefs while constantly being put in situations to improve oneself, whether, whether one likes it or not. That's right. a pretty, that can sound like a pretty aggressive period of times. So how was that? Like, did it build and kind of crest or was it just a series of events over that eight week period of time? He- you know, the interesting thing is, is, is um, Maganda Makala, the, the, the shaman, the 10th mm-hmm. generation shaman, um, he, he knew how to um, heal each person individually, it seems. And he, he seemed to know what they want. So, when I, so over the two-month period, in six weeks, seven, yeah, because I didn't have ceremony the first week I was there, but I had eight, eight ceremonies, basically, in six okay. weeks. And my final one was my initiation. And um, each one was appealing off the layers. And at first, it was really just gentle healing, like gentle healing until, um, and it's interesting to me, and I know this sounds, I can't explain this in in factual, truthful things as in the physical universe, but um, there's a lot of synchronicities to Iboga. So things would present, so the blanket issue presented, and there was a big to be honest with you, it was quite a big blow up in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, just that. before yeah. ceremony, just before ceremony, even though it sounds funny about a blanket, it was a big thing. And how dare he talk to me like that? And all these kinds of control issues, right? Oh, there's so, offended um, is in and, there. There's so many things yeah. in there if, if you want to unpack it. <laughs> and, and it was just before. So now have that blanket situation not come up. And so I think once you're immersed in it, um, the synchronicities will come up and uh, a a more positive synchronicity that really came up was um, with, there's a little, uh, it's actually uh, Magenda's grandson is there and he's about three and he runs around and um, I was kicking the soccer ball around with him one time. And uh, one of my, one of my things I really needed to work on was just, you know, self-love. And that in our world is like, it's got to be such a buzzword. Like, what does that even mean? And, you know, when we talk about even the gratitude, you know, doing great. So for years, I've done gratitudes. For years, I've done all these things to to build my self-love, right? And uh, it was just a simple, simple little thing that um, he had actually asked me to come play with him, which is where the evoke synchronicity comes in. Because just before that, I had thought about you know needing to work on the self-lover it had been kind of pointed out to me and um he we didn't speak each other's language but he came and kind of got me and we went out and we were kicking the ball around and um then I said we we need to go I was getting exhausted actually so <laughs> I said I took him I said come you know and we went and got some water in in the eating area and uh I filled up his glass and I filled up my glass and then he took his glass and he climbed up on a chair at the table and kind of indicated to me that I should sit there with him. So I did. And then, then we sat there and, and we drank our water and he clinked glasses and we were quite enjoying it. But the look in his eye when he looked at me was pure love. 
and I'm not talking about um, relationship or you know any kind of love. Like there was just a being a, like he saw me for who I was, not anybody else other than me sitting there, not some old lady from Canada, and, <laughs> and not some white person. He just saw me sitting there. Then he took my hand and he tried to take me into their living quarters, which I was a little uncomfortable about. So I didn't, <laughs> I managed to get out of that one somehow. But the insight that I got from that was just that through all these gratitude things and stuff, I was always looking outside of myself for my mm. self love instead of looking for what am I grateful for about myself. And, um, you know, and then, and then that, it was interesting how children came up and not, there was another child who's a little girl. And they, then they came up in my ceremony, both, both this little boy and this little girl and the little girl, like when I was holding her, she was about the same age. Like she just, she studied my face with her hands and just with the most tenderness. And it was, it was just like, um, one of the sayings that they have is, is look through, treat yourself like you would treat a two-year-old child or, or a, a newborn baby. And it again, what does that even mean? You know, and until I experienced, and I've got grand, my granddaughter, and we, and we have that kind of love, but it was just in that setting mm-hmm. to see that that love, that unconditional love come from the soul of a mm-hmm. young being because it hadn't been tainted by anything else. And that's one thing I say about the Bawidi people. Um, some of the things in our world may seem kind of harsh, but they're done with lessons and kindness. And everything that's presented to you, they will not leave you until it's fixed. Mm. They would never kick you out or abandon you. And that's one thing I brought into our addiction healing is we meet the person where they're at and everyone deserves healing. And we're not, we're not in any position to decide who should be healed and who shouldn't. Um, and and if a person isn't where we want them to be, we need to guide them up to getting to where they can be. And, and it's not even a matter about us wanting them to be there. It's about mm-hmm. them healing themselves to be where they want to be. So much of our story, sometimes North America-wise, is worthy, unworthy. What, 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 mm-hmm. who, what's my judgment versus, like you said, who should be helped and who should be left behind and that type of a mindset? That's interesting. I've never really thought about it, but it just says you say it. I'm like, well, I feel that's very prevalent. I know that's part of some of my own dialogue sometimes where I catch myself reacting. I'm like, why am I reacting? And after I did a boga, I actually noticed very much so, and specifically even around 5-MEO, I would react different to people because all of a sudden I'd see someone and I'd uh, just on the street, whether it be a homeless person or somebody that was different than me, let's just say that for whatever that means. And I would also notice this trigger of this old dialogue to be, oh, this person, the story would start to be told. And all of a sudden I'd say, wait a second. This is just another human being doing their thing. There's no story to be told. But it was amazing how the medicine, that wasn't part of my healing or part of my journey. But afterwards, I started to notice it a little bit more. The story that was getting triggered, that was usually a judgment story. It was a hierarchy. It was a below or above. And it was, it was a story for sure. And it was manufactured. <laughs> and it was, yeah, and it, and was those, a, it was a habit. It was a habitual response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that is a beautiful insight. And that's the thing is, is, is for many of the medicines, if you, um, you know, listen to the messages you get, the the messages from the soul, you know, and the medicine brings those out and gives those insights. And it's not like someone's speaking to you and giving you a list of things. Things will, it just clears up the mind in a lot of ways if you allow it to. 
to allow those insights to come in, which we know are all truths. Right. Oh, and for someone listening who's never, you know, who hasn't had the opportunity of trying plant medicine or even have has even had a past psychedelic experience, oftentimes I've I've talked to people about it and being that I've had very positive experiences, like I don't understand and where did these things come from and who's talking to you and you know, and then there's a whole scientific approach of where it comes from. But they are just thoughts that come up. There's correlations in your own mind that just aren't able to maybe connect in the same way when when the medicine's not present, even from a neurological perspective. You're right. It's not a voice that comes from the heavens to come and speak to you, but, or is it? Sometimes there's oh, a feeling of like, yeah. oh, where, or, yeah, I know. I don't want, I don't want to say it's not either. I want to be cautious with that. But yeah. I've had experiences where it was very much just my brain going, oh, I never connected that to that. Oh, wow. Oh, so therefore that must mean that. Then I've had other experiences where it was like, whoa, I don't know where that came from, but it was outside of me. So I think I've, I'm happy to say I've had, I've had both and they were both beneficial. They were just different. The latter probably mm-hmm. being a little bit more mind-blowing where the other ones are more just like wow you know when you turn a page and you're like how did i never see that those two things were connected and the power that then can unfold once you've just you know awareness is a powerful tool when it comes to our own deep rooted the why we act a certain way and then how much we defend it how much is part of our ego Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful you've come back to your life now and we're not done with Mm -hmm. we're not done with africa yet but i'm always curious back to integration and the challenge of having a profound experience, whether it's two months or a weekend or five days or a, a couple hours, if you work with 5-MeO or, or some of the other substances, how has integration been for you? How long have you been back for starters? Let's just, let's timeline this thing out for uh, I arrived back July 27th. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Message me um, not, not, long, yeah. not long after that. And how has, yeah. how have you seen little things in your life show up differently? And the version of you that's now back to a life that was expecting you to be you too. There's a trick there. And I even know with mm-hmm. addiction, you have to be very careful to come out of like, oh, I went to a month of rehab and I went right back to the same bar with the same friends doing the same things. Sometimes that can be very challenging in, in a traditional mm-hmm. environment. For you, how much of it was, whoa, hey, I'm not that anymore. And like, how much did, you, did, it, did it change or shift? And how has that process been for you? Well, it's interesting because I've definitely been tested to see whether I will go back to the old ways and, <laughs> and you what's have. you know going on. So, yeah. I mean, I've been given opportunities. I've been given opportunities to just uh, um, react to things instead of, you, you know, um, again, it's, it's uh, keeping the thing between thought and action. And, and one of the things we were taught is that, you know, when something comes, it see, Somebody yelled at me. I, I have ten seconds to decide whether I want to take that on as mine or not. And so, you know, between thought and action, um, I can. And once the action happens of me deciding, uh, you know, to take on, he treated me that way instead of realizing that that's what's happening in that person's world. It really has nothing to do with me. Um, so we'll just keep being here. So to put it, um, the best way I can say that I've come around to doing and and a couple of other things have hit me and um it's funny i just decided you know what i'm just going to stay in my own lane Mm. i'm going to stay in my own lane and keep everybody that's driving in the same lane with me safe as best as i can that's within you know what what i have can have an effect over but i really don't need to be and it's part of that control thing i don't need to be over there in that lane telling them how to drive (laughs) 
right? Isn't that, isn't that so, the old joke? Everyone going too fast, everyone going fast is reckless. Everyone going slow is annoying. I'm the only one driving just the right speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Until we look I am around the perfect, and go. Yeah, totally. Until <laughs> we look around and go, well, why is everybody's honking? Well, maybe I'm the one. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know who the one is, sometimes it's often you. There's another joke around, around that. And for you, yeah. has that been daily mantras? Has that been just like, how do you keep the dream alive? And, and that's maybe a wrong way to say it, but new behaviors take time to ingrain, whether it's a new habit, a new way of thinking, getting out of an old habit of, you know, the click and the boom and the reaction, lots of, you know, psychology around, you know, our habitual reaction to things. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, do you have a mantra? Do you have an anchor or a set point where like, what, what, what allows you to make sure that you do grab those 10 seconds every time? Like, because we can be very reactive, but the take a deep breath before you act. Like we've all been told these things, but we don't always do it. So I'm curious what strategies you've brought in and I'm getting really practical right here. Because I don't yeah. want people to live up in the ether completely. I want to really no. draw it back to daily life as much as we can. No, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I'm not saying that, that I didn't take my choice. If I, if I didn't react, and if I didn't make the decision in those 10 seconds, I've, I've gone over to the other side and it's been misery. So I guess one okay. of the, the key things of bringing myself back in is, does this make me feel horrible? Or like, how, what is my reaction to this? Yeah. If I'm not, if... Um, so basically, life is a gift, right? And our purpose is just to be and enjoy it. We, you know, we didn't pay anything for it. We don't, <laughs> it was just a gift given to us. And so it's up to us to um, in, enjoy it. It's, it's the greatest gift there is. And it's just be and enjoy it. Um, so for example, when people keep talking about trying to find their purpose, um, our purpose is we're living it already. Mm, our purpose yeah. is to be right. And it, it's, we need to find out what our gifts are and create things around those gifts. But our purpose is just to be so uh, not ne necessarily a mantra other than looking at how I'm reacting to something. And, but at the same time, not <clears throat> knowing the difference between uh, what someone else needs to, kind of fix or heal per se. I, I kind of hate yep. the, the healing term in some ways because it's gotten to be over simply. So it's become a blame game in some ways. I know. Oh, you're not Heal, healed. Fix. Or, they're, they're, know, all, yeah. they're all labels, yeah. right? That's the way they become dangerous. Yeah, they're all yeah. labels. So, um, yeah, I, and, and you know, and just finding the joy in, in the little things and, in the, experience and the successes. Um, and if, if I feel triggered by something, which is another <laughs> word that's gotten overused, but um, I really look at it. And I, and I know that that takes time and it's, it's not as easy as it seems, <laughs> as it sounds. And it's well, not as easy. It's not easy, but it's, but, it, but it's worth it. But it's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. Yeah. 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 No, I really appreciate even your kind of the, the, your, your resistance around some of the words that get thrown around, like even purpose, good intent. But I know a lot of people that are actually depressed because they can't find their purpose. And then someone else on social media looks like they're living some amazing purpose and then it makes them even more <laughs> depressed. But you know, like to your point, like everything taken too far, which our society is excellent at taking things too far. Mm -hmm. At its core, that was probably a good idea. But wow, now we've marketed it and we've labeled it and we've turned it into a business somehow and you know, fix yourself or broken or healing. So much of what I'm hearing you say, and it's been a little bit my own experience, so I may be relating, is just the ability to catch it in the moment and be like, oh, wait yeah. a second. Why did I, oh, well, oh, I don't need to, I can make a choice here. I can choose to react a different way versus the you made me feel. 
which will wait what? But I think that's a journey to embrace that. It's, you know, not to quote the matrix, but it's the red pill or the blue pill. You can choose to go, oh, he did this or she did that, or they made me feel a certain way, or oh, the pandemic made me feel this and our government made me feel that. But every single one of those was your choice. And I found when I had that revelation, I think I was 26, read a certain book and it really stole on my bookshelf. And like, you mean I can choose how I want to feel in the world? And I still run to people where we're chatting and they're like, they get very defensive of that concept of like, well, it's not yeah. my choice. They, they did it to me. I'm like, well, wait a second, but you could just laugh it off. Well, no, how could you laugh something like that off? I'm like, probably pretty easily, but depending on, but I love about the plant medicine because it sometimes helps you be aware of what those little things are, like that control mm -hmm. that was allowing you not to choose because there was right. such a program yeah. that was overriding all that. And I love how those start to play together with each other. And I think, yes, you can find these things on your own. You don't need plant medicine. I do find plant medicine is a fantastic shortcut to some of these, whoa, I never even knew that was why I was making those reactions. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, curious, so hearing, hearing that, does that resonate? It sounds like I'm saying like a bit of my experience versus what I'm hearing you say and trying to give the audience a way to go, no, it's not a magic pill, but man, it starts to open, turn windows into, turn doors into windows. You can start to see why or where these reactions are coming from. No, for sure. And, and, you know, when you're talking about like the negative thoughts, uh, it's hard if we don't know that they're negative thoughts. So just, you know, <laughs> nice. the thing about the controlling, like I didn't know, and that's where the lie was. But once I knew it was up to me to do something about it, you know? So once you know about it, you mm -hmm. can either fight it, you can run from it, or, um, you can switch them, you know, see, so see, mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on in your life, you can um, you can switch your thoughts, and it's just choice, and that's basically, you know, it all comes down to choice. Because as you were just saying, yeah. uh, and it's a hard thing for people to understand because we've been so trained to to be told that yeah. Our, yeah. that we're not in control of us. So we create our negative thoughts because we choose to, you know, and. Um, just Again, that, like just said, that statement, just that statement mm -hmm. alone can be very upset. Like there's a defense mechanism that kicks in for people. I've certainly found in my own conversations, maybe I hope someone listening yeah. had a reaction to that and then they're willing to explore where the reaction might've come from. But that's a very triggering concept. Even that's how simple that was what you just said there. It is. And, and just, you know, like Ryan uh, mentioned in his podcast though, you know, he said, our emotions are transmutable. Hmm. Our emotions are transmutable. Our thoughts are transmutable. You know, and if we're not accepting that, we're so basically our soul is just letting our mind be stronger. We as our soul are in charge. We're the general of the mind. That's the general. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that analogy because yeah. it creates yeah. hierarchy immediately. And when uh, I think about it. So, free, you know, free. the medicine can't even take that away because it doesn't take away choice. We're yes. the ones that need to make that decision. It's all, so it's all about choice is what you said at the beginning. Yeah. I really like that. This yeah. is a medicine yeah. about choice. Yeah. For you, just to, just to play with some more words, ego, another word that gets kicked around, gets criticized, gets complimented. Can be just, I think it can be your best friend. I think it can be your worst enemy all in, in a split second of each other. For you going through this experience, like, you know, control to me seems like a classic, like something that would live in the ego space or that part of your brain or the default mode network or, you know, the science versus the philosophy. For you, was ego a part of this at all or something that you were aware of? Or is that just, again, another term, although mm -hmm. real, that gets, that gets kind of mislabeled sometimes. Just curious how much of this was, you know, we hear of, you read about psychedelics, you hear about ego death and you hear those types of powerful statements, which I don't know people always really understand what that actually means. Um, you know, and, and 
again, there's so many different ways (laughs) of thinking of it that all I can speak to is for myself. I mean, when you're asking the question, I I thought it and I thought, yeah, so clearly my just use the control thing. That was about ego. You know, that was my ego, because basically ego is is just there to help us survive. Ego is there when we don't want to face the truth. So an ego is 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 there. It's just a mechanism that we use to survive or to make ourselves right or to validate our beliefs or which can feel a lot like survival can feel a lot like I'm right. So therefore I am, I will defend the threat for my own rightness. (laughs) Ego is there. Basically all ego is, is, is help helping us provide keeping in place the things that we feel we need to have service to Mm, to be safe, Mm. to be, to continue on with the life, the way we want it, Mm. you know? Um, when you and again, up, it's or... not using it in a judgment way, and that that's where totally. we fall into so many traps. So that person is just his ego. Well, you know, um, maybe it is, but unless we allow that ego from that person to impinge, we're the one that uh, we're the one that controls whether that can impinge on us or not. Back to meeting them where they are, as you said, which yeah, which I really appreciate. Oh. Yeah. For you going through some of these experiences and, and realizing that this was no longer serving you, was there any sadness or was there anything, I'm just using the word sadness, around giving these up? Because again, now that you've become aware, you choose to let them go or you choose to continue to embrace them, which sometimes becomes hard because then it just becomes, once you know, it's hard, it's, you can hardly, it's hard to see it another way. Was there a sense of that, of, of sadness, of that part of you is no longer there and you, you, giving yourself permission to grieve that it has moved on and that's part of the process? And then no longer bringing it, no loud, no longer bringing it to parties. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, I could only, you know, it's like when you have a sliver in your arm. For me, it was more, and it took me so long to unload it. To dig it out. <laughs> I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah. was so hard. Sliver, that sliver is a good metaphor. You know it's in your finger. You can't see it, but man, it's in there. <laughs> and you can't yeah. leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, until you pull it out. So, I mean, I have to honestly say that um, sliver, that's a good with none of these, was there any grief? It was more relief, you know, and, and I, I think that's also a little bit of a, a difficulty is that um, the way our society is trained, everybody, we've become so, so trauma focused and not saying people don't have trauma, but one of the insights that I have, and I'm sure that the gods will shoot me down from the medical world on this one, but um when we talk about trauma informed and all those kinds of things, we have we have been trained in the Western world to wear our trauma as a badge of honor. Okay. If we don't have trauma, then we aren't then we haven't experienced life. Or you know, everybody feels they need to have. Um, for for myself, okay. So even hanging on to the trauma of of um, asphyxiating during electroshock therapy, like. Um, letting go of that. I mean, that gave me a story to tell people and I'm still telling it. So here you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I love yourself. I love the self-awareness, Sue. That's my favorite. I love it. And here I am telling it right now. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so, but, you know, so trauma, like it's not about erasing or ignoring what's happened in the past. Mm. It's about releasing the attachment energy to it. And so, you know, that's how I healed those things was just, and even again, it, it took it took the time with Adele, two, three sessions. It took some time in Africa. And it wasn't until 
because also, you know, the way I was raised through that world, we were responsible for everything that happens to us, quote unquote, right? So I kept trying to think of how I brought this in. And it wasn't until till it was it was kind of the revelation came that basically I had my mind raped. Like that I I was able to really look at that and the grief that occurred with that and, and the emotion that came off on that was not that I was losing it, but the relief of it being able to be gone and not sitting and dictating um, mm. unconsciously because I did I wasn't even really even aware of that having yeah. occurred right and so um, of course it's going to bring negative thoughts and of course it's going to bring up a fight or flight response about so many different things and uh, and you know so it's you know uh, we, we talk about releasing the attachment letting go of the attachment to you know, to that trauma. So powerful. Dude, you've got a lot of great, uh, you have fantastic sound bites. I've got t-shirts, bumper stickers. Like you've said a lot of powerful things. Today. <laughs> I'm, a mar- I'm a marketer. So I love to capture I'm like, Oh, that right there was so powerful. It makes, because it makes people, it makes people think curious, uh, 35 years as an educator looking at our system. And I, you know, you and I chatted before we got on the air a little bit about, we have some, we have some mutual friends that work in the education system and I have another podcast that focuses on economic transformation and the conversation of education and and, and setting us up for success, quote unquote, as, as, as a country, as a nation, as a province, as a city, as, as individuals thoughts on the education system now looking back or thinking about it today with some of the things you've learned as being an education, as someone who's spent 35 years in that space. You know, by the time I was so fortunate because I was, uh, I taught instrumental band and I, and I got to teach students for six years. So, I I had the wonderful opportunity to work with the same students from grade seven to grade twelve, and the relationships and um, you know um, connections, the social emotional learning that we're able to put across, you know, in 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 just using music even to do it. It wasn't ever that I was standing up there lecturing. It would be just you know they used to laugh at my stories. Um, it would be kind of like, well, here comes another Kodak teaching moment. So I'm gonna. I'm going to take it on, but um, I have to say that, you know, in my, my last years there, um, and of course, I, I dodged the bullet of not having to teach during the pandemic. I got you said you retired you in know, 2019. I know that's immediately yeah, what I thought. I was like, you yeah, got out just yeah. in time, didn't you? Yeah. Especially music. I mean, the music teachers, what they put together in remote learning and banging on buckets instead of being able to play instruments was just oh, amazing to me. Um, but it was just a fine, fine line between helping because the pressures that it seems on young people now are, are insurmountable in some ways. And it, it's, um, you know, the pressures to, to do well in school, to perform well in sports, to do well in dancing, to do well, you know, um, there's just so much that they're involved in and it's, 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 instead of medicating them, teaching them the skills that, I mean, sometimes in that environment, anybody is going to be anxious. If I had a 10 page paper to write and in, in social studies and one in English, you better believe I'm going to be anxious. <laughs> you you know? made me, I feel so anxious just, just hearing you say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just being consciously aware of those, those challenges, but also, you know, 
giving the kids, instead of medicating them, giving them tools that they can work with on it. So, for example, other than, um, actually, I've had a young man that came to me. He was, he was very anxious about going away to university. And he was a former student, and he came to the center and, and got some um, some counseling. And uh, to be honest, I, I use some of the Buidi tools about you're the, you know, instead of being in the future and worrying about these things, what's happening right now. And you're, the, you know, you can control those negative thoughts, like reframe those thoughts about mm-hmm. instead of worrying about the paper, um, reframe it to, I'm just really excited to see what I can learn from, you know, this class. So, and I also gave him some, and this isn't Buidi, but um, I'm a, I'm a, um, trained as a heart math practitioner. So just oh, teaching some math, breathing yeah. techniques and, you know, some of those those things and I'm compassionate inquiry as well, but, uh, um, you know, so getting them to look at, well, you know, maybe where did that, where did that trigger come from? That's basically what compassionate inquiry is in some ways, but it's, you know, in the words of, of Gabor Mate, it's, it's not what has happened to you in the past. It's what you do with it mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and those same, um, it's when you look at our system and you look at the education system, that has been geared and built a certain way. And I've had, guess on talking about just the history let's see how we got here it's hard for teachers to teach that when it, it was never taught to them so it feels like there's an opportunity for a bit of an overhaul for the sense of like these are life skills that for many of us we had to seek out they weren't just taught to us in my journey from if i look back from me at three to when i really started going down this path which was about 25 26 years old where all of a sudden i was like wait a second like there's more going on here and then i started reading and it was all self-directed. I don't necessarily can go back and remember being given a lot of the tools. I was given a lot of things that benefited me. So I'm not speaking of in a negative way, but not in the relation to what you and I just, like you just talked about there, like the ability to choose how you feel and the ability to live in the moment versus agonizing about the future. Those were very new concepts that I didn't learn until much, much later in life, mm-hmm. well past my school years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And teachers are amazing and they're, they're doing mm-hmm they're doing the best they can to be in, in many cases, parent, you know, especially in the public system, you know, um, when I taught in Red Deer, like the children would come in with no food. They had, you know, kids would come. I had a sharing basket in my room, um, where we took the leftover lunches and anybody was willing to, you know, um, come in. And I, I would often, um, have students just kind of in my room, for that, or maybe they got hit that morning. I don't know, but you never know. Right. Yeah. And and maybe not so much in, in the private schools, maybe, but never say never. Um, yeah. But it's just being attuned and, and aware. And, and it's one thing that I know many of, I don't know about the public system just because of the stresses on that system. But I do know that independent schools that I've taught with have spectacular student services. Um, where, where they really try and stay tuned. And if, if someone, does need the help, they do get it. Um, but overall, just as a curriculum, when you're saying like, uh, um, you know, it, it would be be good to teach some of those life skills and, and mm-hmm. you know, practice them on a regular basis. And it, it's a tough thing, though. I mean, I know I've talked to some youth who said, oh, yeah, well, we did a medication class. But, you know, when someone's trying to teach something to someone, but they've just been thrown a piece of paper that says this is how you do it. <laughs> and they don't really, you know. No, it, it's it's um, it, it's tough. Um, I, I think the biggest stresses that I see is just the expectations, and it, and they didn't 
the young people didn't make the choice about those expectations. Mm, they've been thrusted. The parent, oh, you know, it's someone they, else they, making those decisions for them and pushing them into all these different, different places. And and the biggest thing for me though is is the con the instant gratification by medicating instead of working through to try and and change change the anxiety or the depression. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, children under the age of six are being medicated because they run around too much. Well, they just happen to be children, really. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I was uh, probably fortunate to be the age that I am because um, I would have been heavily medicated. There just wasn't yeah. yet a thing when I was in school. Exactly. Many a, rec many a recess was spent sitting outside the principal's office. <laughs> it, seemed, it, it, all, it all worked out. And, and 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 I'm continuing to work on it. It's a it's a work in progress, and I and I love it. I appreciate the journey. But look where so, you are now. Yeah. So it all it all worked out, and it's continuing to work out. And um, so many people I know, entrepreneurs, business owners, they're like, "Oh my God, this is what I used to get in trouble for in school, and now this is what I do for a living." And I've you know I employ 50 people and run a multi billion dollar company, and this is what I used to get yelled at for. <laughs> so there is a humor to that sometimes, depending on mm -hmm. the crowd you hang out with. Um, Tell me just a little bit at the end for the audience who's kind of hung on and, and listened to the story. Center for Wholeness and Well-Being. This is something you founded. I've had some fantastic experiences there. Uh, coming back to your business and coming back to what you do, which is a fantastic model for helping people, has it shifted or changed, reinvigorated you? You know, two months away, is that's a pretty serious you know, break state or pattern interrupt, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I've gotten all kinds of like ideas, maybe one of the, um, really important parts of healing, um, in the ceremony is actually the fire talk. Uh, it's probably 80% of the therapy. Evoga does the other 20%. So it's giving the teachings and, 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 uh, and it doesn't have to be the Bawidi teachings, but just, um, you know, especially for people experiencing substance abuse, putting together a group program where they're, they're hearing those things and reflecting on them. And they're not just sitting reading a book that it's my breath to yours in, mm -hmm. in helping them then change that. And also, um, you know, we are, we moved our facility. We're in a bigger place now. And that's, uh, that was, it's still programming now that we have the space to offer more and more things. Just okay, in, so there, you, I, I know yeah. I knew you had moved moved locations, and I haven't been to your new location yet. Uh, yeah. But obviously, that's an opportunity of an excitement, and I do feel society-wise, and maybe it's also just the people I happen to talk to. I also cognitive bias is real. There certainly seems to be more people than I know in my circle that are looking for more in different ways. And I say more, going, yeah, you know what? Maybe like plant medicine. Like I haven't been to a dinner party recently that that didn't come up from somebody bringing it up two years ago. That mm -hmm. was not the case. And I was at an executive group, a bunch of CEOs, and somebody brought it up there. And it's it's just it's 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 arriving in a mainstream conversation more so than ever before around you know in mental health and you know some of those things around talking about traumas. I agree. Sometimes it's overdone or used as a badge of honor. I'm also just happy to see that people are willing to talk about trauma a little bit more readily than no, I'm fine, everything's fine. Everything clearly, everything's fine, right? I'm fine. Especially with males, uh -huh, yes. I know a lot of men, yeah. especially older generation, like my dad's generation they'd rather be struck down dead than tell you something was wrong. <laughs> it just was not. And then you see the struggle and the pain that a lot of these men, and I'm just picking men because I can identify with that group, mm -hmm. um, 
have I have struggled with at least now there's a bit of permissibility around talking about things with we all have yeah. the right to be happy. <laughs> I love how you said that. Like that is part of yeah. that's really our only mission, actually. Yeah. Joy. Mm -hmm. No, and just to clarify, my point on that wasn't that people don't experience trauma. And yes, it's beautiful people are talking about it. Uh, what what I wanted to clarify on is that we can do something about it. We don't need to keep talking about it and 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 have it be a journey for the rest of our lives. Yeah, yes, that, I appreciate that we can, you know, and um, and just another point of clarification is our center. I know we've talked a lot about Evoga and um, the five MEO DMT, but this kind of the it's it's not it's not the first line of choice that we that yes, people come in for. Yeah, and so I mean that's not we work with a lot of people that don't have any interest in those, and that's totally fine. So. Um, you know, really, it's just that our programs integrate body, mind, and soul. It's not all talk therapy. It's it's working with um, the heart. It's working with different um, practices that help regulate the body. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. And thank you for clarifying. My experience working, I was introduced to you through five through the 5MEO community and through mm -hmm. a friend. And like often, I think people hear about these things as they... Oh, so-and-so had an experience and you value their experience. So they tell you about it. And so much of it is word of mouth. That was my journey in terms of, in terms of meeting Ryan. And then all of a sudden realizing that there was a whole bunch of connections behind the scene. Calgary is the perpetual biggest small town I've ever lived in. And I think this is a small community, <laughs> but th thank you for clarifying that that is just part of what you bring to the table with a very holistic and I love it. Meet, meet the person where they are and that might be plant medicine, but it might not be. And that's fine too. So th thanks for clarifying. My journey has been one specific version. So I tend to speak yeah. of it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially with young people, I mean, that's not something we would even approach, you know, um, like this is yes. the, the former student that I had going off to university that that wasn't even part of the discussion. Um, it was just giving him the tools to deal with his anxiety and, and depression in a way that were useful for him, you know? Yes, that's, that served him. Mm -hmm. Is there yeah. any philosophy around, um, as you mentioned with, with the Buidi tribe that they, it's, it's part of their, the Boga is part of their life's. They're part of their growing up. So they're very much part of in the womb. Western culture, is there a certain age? And I've heard this disputed. So maybe, and if you don't have a position on it, that's okay. Psychedelics or plant medicine, there's no real role in someone's life until they're 20 years old or 25 or once the brain is kind of more solidified in terms of its neural, you know, neurological development. I've heard 25 number thrown around more recently. Curious if you had a perspective on that. And so that's a random question right at the end of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I have no perspective on it because to be honest, my, my knowledge and experience is really more around Iboga and, and the Iboga medicine is, as I said, it, it, it is the only plant medicine that, 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 that heals, um, the body heals the spirit and helps with spiritual discovery. So when I say that they, maybe their mother would use it and it's in the womb and it's, it's not destructive to the body, like the other drugs are, <clears throat> Yeah. Um, it doesn't work on the mind in the same way. And, and, and in the Bewiti people, I mean, for the most part, it's, it's, they don't, they don't, um, use so much that they, they go into a ceremony mode when they use it on a regular basis. It's a lot of microdosing because especially it, because it, it helps them, their mind be more alert to the dangers that may be in the jungle, you know? Fair enough. So oh, there's, yeah, there's lots of interesting yeah. research around, um, you know, psychedelics and the role they played in hunter gather and hunter tribes. And you know, there's, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down mm -hmm. just around psychedelics in yeah. general and the role they may or have may not played in the evolution of religion 
uh, so so many things. It's it's a fun if you're if you're if you're curious about this for the first time. There is a it's a crazy rabbit hole. You can go down around psychedelics and so much more prevalent historically than maybe the last hundred years has wanted us to believe. <laughs> yeah, and and even on that, I, I think that since uh, the rabbit holes can get pretty dirty and and you can go off into they so can. many different directions on it. Is find someone that you trust that has that's yeah, trained anyway. that is a provider or. You know, even even again, I mean, even though I, I don't like the synthetics personally myself, like find find one of the places that, that offers something that mm-hmm. that you feel may benefit you. Um, uh, well, but think, the only you know the only caution I have yeah. on it is that it's a very different experience when provided in ceremony with the spirit of the plant being honored as when it's provided in a medical. Yeah, no, that's and I think yeah. what Alberta has what four or five, maybe six uh, ketamine clinics now that are that have been mm-hmm. open in the last couple of years. So you know, I've I've talked to a few different practitioners from both sides of that that position, and you know, the ones I I do resonate. It's like, well, if someone's looking for something to and it's going to help them, then whatever that is is works for them, kind of thing mindset. But I do again, that's another podcast on spirit versus not versus you know manufactured yeah. versus from nature, and I I, I can lean in either way. Uh, but I'm more importantly, if it meets someone where they are and it helps them, I'm all for it. But that's my, that's 100%. my, that's my, that's my yep. overarching statement for the, that. Call. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I agree. Uh, Sue, so great to talk with you. Um, I'm so glad you mistook me for another Tyler and we met so <laughs> not, not that many months ago. Actually, I think it was back in, back, back in the spring. Um, but I really appreciate also your honesty and your willingness to come on and just share your story and also for the courage to be on such a cool journey. Like it's, it's not for the, um, the joke's not for the week of constitution because you have to be willing to look at things about yourself like you very much <laughs> shared, like the blanket incident um, where you need to, the, the willingness or the opportunity to see what shows up is then the opportunity to change, right? They, they, they exist together in my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I, thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. It was a great shot. I've been looking forward to it all week because I knew it was coming up. It's in my calendar. <laughs> Um, so calgarywellbeing.com. Yeah. Please go to your website. You guys have a lot of information on there. You have a lot of different programs and I like what you said. You said it multiple times, reach out, talk to somebody. If you're just curious, you know, be careful what you read online, talk to somebody that can meet you where you are and then bring the conversation around that versus the 101 experiences you're going to read about online. Some of them very toxic and some of them very negative, some Mm -hmm. of them very beautiful and positive. It's just, when you don't have a filter, it's hard to know which is which. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and we do offer free discovery sessions. And if we feel that you need to go somewhere else, we we are humble enough to say, you know, mm. we may may need to refer you to, um, you know, medical doctor or you know, um, even work in conjunction with. We're not. It's not an either or world. It's not yes, either I, or. I, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I find. You know, I recently had an experience at a private health clinic where they had a naturopath and a medical doctor. And when I did my blood panel, they spoke to me together. And I was like, oh, just even those two worlds bridging felt refreshing versus like, no, that one is our way and this is their wrong. And just having two perspectives even around the same set of numbers and while each one of them looked at it, it just felt so much more holistic versus adversarial. <laughs> I just want what benefits me. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to get lost in which, which faction is battling with each other about what's more right or more, more wrong. <laughs> no. No, that's, that's, like a, not, that's, a, that's, that's a Western not disease. That's a Western disease. <laughs> that is a Western disease. Basse. In, in, in the Buidi, Basse means truth. Truth. Basse. Basse. Oh, yes. I've heard Basse. it. I've heard it. I've heard it. Delsey. <laughs> Sue, fantastic. You and I can keep going. So we're going to pin, pin in this one. I, I, look forward to, I look forward to chatting again in the future. But that was wonderful. Thank you. What a, what a great way to spend uh, my first meeting of the morning. Thank you very much. 
Okay, thank you so much.